Good to see everybody this morning. I know we started a little bit last week about talking about one of the one of the things that I mentioned last week was the principle of firsts. And I want to get into one of those principles today. So I'm going to uh, uh, pray over the message, pray over the word of God. Uh, not that God needs me to pray over his word, but we're going to pray the, that it uh, has revelation in our heart. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that even this morning as it goes out, that our minds will be open to anything that you have for us, that we would be molded, that we would be open to, to hear your voice this morning. We thank you, Father, that your word changes us. It transforms us. It gives us the ability to do what we couldn't do before. So we thank you, Lord, that it even breaks down bondages this morning, that it breaks hard places today. And we thank you, Father, for what you're getting ready to do in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week, I talked a little bit about the principle of first. And the principle of first has to do with there were times in the Bible like seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. That's a principle of first. When you put God's word first, when you put his righteousness and his kingdom things first, then all these other things will be added unto you. So even uh, today, we're going to dig into the principle of the Sabbath, the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is something that God set up in his word that, that tells us how to access greater things. So the, the Sabbath is there not to uh, bind us up on a, on a Sunday morning so that we can't play golf and we can't go, uh, you know, do whatever it is, ride your boat or go uh, sleep all day or mow your lawn or whatever it is. It's actually a way, just like the tithe, is a way to break out of this world system and put you on another level. The Sabbath is also to do this same thing. So we're going to dig into that today. There is a lot in the Word of God about the Sabbath, and I learned a lot myself just by uh, digging into this uh, at, a, at a greater, deeper level. So I'm going to give you 10 things today. Is that okay? 10 things. So write these down if you have, or take notes on your phone. But the principle of the Sabbath, which is a, pr a principle that is one of the first, putting the Sabbath first. So first we're going to look at Isaiah. I'm going to give you a scripture for, for each, each thing here, each uh, point that I make. Ten, ten things about the Sabbath that you should know. And, of course, I know you guys are here. I'm not preaching at you. I'm giving you the, the very uh, understanding and revelation of how to pray effectively when it comes to, you know, when you understand that the tithe is there to benefit you, then you thank God because you're actually acting out on something that he says to do. So when you act out on it, you're like, thank you, God, that I'm going to return back into my, into my lap. I'm going to the, the seed that I sow, I'm going to get the harvest from that. It's going to flow back into my life. It's going, I'm going to reap the benefits of that. So when you understand that you can thank God for it instead of stressing out about it. Well, it's the same thing with many covenants that God has put into place, many of these firsts, because God has given us a system which is a spiritual system, and that's what we tap into. Not the world system, but a spiritual system. So if you're in Isaiah 58, I want you to look at uh, verse 13. 
It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the, day, and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find the, your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. So even here in the beginning, the first one we see that, that God calls his day a holy day, a holy Sabbath. So the first one is it honors God and it puts him first. It honors God. The Sabbath is an honor to God, and it puts him first. As you know, God created six days, and then on the seventh, he called that the day of rest. He rested on that day. Do you think God did that because he was tired? No, God's not a, he doesn't have a physical body like us being restrained by, by physical limitations. He was doing it. He created that seventh day to actually bring us into a place where we're honoring that day and we're getting the benefits from tapping into that day. He created the Sabbath day for our benefit. That's why the Bible says that, that uh, the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for man. That's why Jesus in the Bible, in the New Testament, when he came, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was created for man. But he said he is the Lord of the Sabbath. But it was created for man, for the benefit of man. Well, I know many people would say, well, that means I can go mow my lawn then because it's supposed to benefit me. No, that's not, that's not how that works. It's to honor the Lord. It benefits you because it brings you into a place of peace. It brings you into a place of joy. It brings you into a place of being protected. It brings you into a place of being guarded. And we're going to go through these things. But even today, as I was just looking around, I know that I, I've seen many of you guys, if not all of you, uh, having a testimony around the fact that as you begin to put God first in your life, then things started to transform and turn around on your behalf you know and it's like those that take God seriously and take him at his word and don't try to compromise these things they get a different result than those that take God casually so these things are very important when we take God serious what do you think he does he takes us serious right when we honor him then he's going to honor us so this Sabbath day is first of all Honoring him, putting him first, he says, this is my holy day. And if you honor me, if you honor me, then you're going to reap the rewards of that day. You're going to reap the rewards of being in that covenant with me. And, you know, I got to thinking, uh, do you remember this, the two stories? There was one about Moses. When he saw the burning bush, he came up on the burning bush, and God said to him, he said, Moses, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground, right? And Joshua was another one. Uh, God uh, came to Joshua when he was getting ready to go in and start possessing the promised land, and it, it was like an angel had come, and the angel told him, Joshua, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. Now, both instances... Understand, Joshua and Moses both came upon ground that they didn't realize was holy. They came upon a burning bush. Moses did. Joshua came upon an angel. 
But they didn't know. It wasn't like all of a sudden they had this revelation. Oh, this is holy ground. i got to take my shoes off. They had to be told. It wasn't that the ground felt any different. It wasn't that they just automatically had an understanding that the ground was holy. But it was like they had to remove their sandals from off of their feet because they were standing in a holy place because God's presence was there. Now, think about that with the Sabbath. If he's saying, this is my holy day my holy day, then he's telling us that this is a day where you set aside as a day where you remove your own agenda, just like they removed their sandals. You remove the things of of whatever it is that you're desiring to do, and you put me first. Now, I'm not saying you can't go out to eat. I'm not saying you can't go, you know, enjoy your family. That's not what I'm saying. Get what I'm saying. It's about honoring the Lord on that day. As you do that, then you know that you're walking in a covenant with him. So this is, this for all of you here today, this is an exciting message. For some online, it might be more of a conviction, <laughs> you know, but, but when you are walking in the, in the, uh, the covenants of God, then it's an excitement because as you grow deeper and deeper in that, you understand and you realize, like, I'm in a good place because nothing but good can come my way. Nothing but good things are going to overtake me in this life. So even as that ground was holy, he calls a day holy, and that is the seventh day. Now, I don't, I'm not going to get into, some people get into, well, actually, it's Saturday. Saturday was actually the Jewish, you know, uh, last day of the week. That's not what I'm getting into. This isn't, it's not, it doesn't get, that's when you start getting into religious things. This is about setting aside a day. America sets aside Sunday. It's when we close things down and we be in the house of God. It's, you know, I know that there are many that have strayed from that, but we are one that honors God, and we'll see a difference in our life. And even in, some people might say, well, that's Old Testament. No, you see it time and time again in Acts, Acts 13, Acts 17. It says Paul would go to the synagogue regularly, regularly on the Sabbath day and reason with them from the scriptures. And it it spoke specifically on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath. So this is something that happened in the New Testament as well. This is not an Old Testament, just a, a Jewish thing. This is a Christian thing. As we follow God, we put him first. Number two, it causes us to be blessed. It causes us to be blessed. So number one, it honors him and puts him first. Number two, it causes us to be blessed. And you see in that same scripture, in verse 14, he said, if you do these things, then you'll find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Now, you know that Jacob had a, a good place, a good portion given to him. All of the promises of Abraham and Isaac were given to Jacob. You know, all the blessings of God were given to Jacob. You know, and, and Jacob was the one that was the father of 12 nations, and that lamb was given to them. They were going to eat the fruit of the land, the good of the land. So everything that the lamb produced, ever, houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, those were the things that were uh, an inheritance for the children of God. Now, I know we have to kind of understand things in a modern sense today because we don't have uh, flocks outside our door. We have, you know, what is called a job, and through our job, we, we 
we rip the, reap the benefits or we come up with ideas and create businesses, things like that. But God says, if you will call my Sabbath a delight and if you honor it, then you're going to be blessed in what you put your hand to. The second thing he says, I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land. What does that mean? To ride on the heights of the land. Well, I had to look that up because I didn't understand what that meant. But when they would use that term, to ride on the heights of the land, it was because the, the conquerors would have the high places. The conquerors, the victors, the ones that would go out and conquer areas. And they would ride in the high places because, you know, if I watched Star Wars and... and Star Wars, well, I, I don't remember the characters because I'm not that into it, but in one of the scenes, uh, was it, it's not Darth Vader, it's the other one, isn't it? I don't know, but they're like, he has the high place. I don't know, yeah, maybe, but it's like he had the high place, and it was like whoever gets the high place has the advantage, you know, because they, they're in a, in a better position than the person that's low trying to fight up. But the person that has the high place has the advantage. Well, he's talking that a victor has the high place. They have the outlook. They have the place where they can. I know in, in Hawaii, on Maui, there's a place called Eo Valley. And there's very high uh, mountains there. And the tribes used to stand on those mountains and, and look out to see when, when the enemy was coming to attack. If you have the high place, you have the advantage. And so he's saying here, you have, you will have the high place. You will be ruling. When you have the high place, you are a ruler. You are the one that reigns. You are a conqueror. You will ride on the high places. You will be the one that is controlling things in your life and in your destiny, not being whipped around by life. It also means to command or to occupy commanding positions. So just like what I was saying, having the high places, you're occupying commanding positions. So people are coming to you to find out how things need to go. They're coming to you to find out strategically what needs to happen. As you grow in the Lord, you are learning how to command things in your life. It also means security. A place of security. Because if you're reigning in the high places, then you're in a place of peace. You're in a place of security. And you're also in a place of prosperity. Because you own the lands. You own the, the areas. You own the ranks. So God wants you to be in a place where you are riding on the heights of the land. Amen? So he causes you to be blessed. And even, you know, even this morning, as, as people were coming in, and, and there is a benefit. When you, when you honor the, the Sabbath and, and you come into his presence, guess what happens? You don't know what's on God's agenda that morning. I mean, we come in and we're, we, our heart, our attitude should be coming in, Lord, what do you have for me this morning? What do you want to do with the service? Because he knows where we're at. He knows where each person is in their, in their walk with him and in their marriage, in their life, with their children, with their job, every area. He knows what they need with their health. And even this morning. It was like he was going to move in the areas of health. When you are here with God, 
then you're getting a benefit of his presence because in his presence is healing. In his presence is joy. In his presence is security. In his presence is peace and love and, and even deliverance. So these things are, are available to the children of God. And I see some, not that God can't heal outside of these four walls. That's not what it's about. But when you are here continuously honoring him, he's going to honor you. You know, I think so many times, Times, people don't realize the appointments that they missed with God because they took it casually. They miss their appointment with God. You know, sometimes there, there could be a, a moment where God had something specifically for them that morning and, and they didn't show. Why? Because the bed was calling. Or because, you know, they just didn't feel like getting their butt up. Whatever it was. But they missed an appointment with God. And we've got to realize that God has good things for us and that we, this is like an appointment. My Sabbath is an appointment with God. I'm not here just to, just to be here. I'm here because this is my covenant. It has nothing to do whether you were here or not here. I would be here because of my covenant with him. All right. Number three. It's a, a sign and, of course, I already said it's a covenant, so that's part of it, too, for number three. It's a sign and a covenant and a command. A sign, a covenant, and a command. Once you get that written down, you can turn over to Exodus. Chapter 13. Nope, Exodus 31, sorry. Exodus 31. And I'm going to read verse 12 through 17. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe the Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Verse 14, Observe the Sabbath. Because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested or was refreshed. So this, this Sabbath, it's saying it is a sign and a covenant a sign in a covenant. And of course, we know that in uh, Exodus 20, verse 8, it's also one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? It's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. But what does, let me back up. What about a sign? Let's, let's look at each one of these things. What is a sign? A sign tells us where to go, right? It, it gives us information, what direction to go in. A sign points us into the right direction. Well, he says this is a sign between me and you. Think about that. What if the church never met? 
Think of that for a second. I was just studying this this week. I was thinking, what if the church never met? And I thought that would be crazy because any organization meets. Any group of anything meets together to to learn, to go through, uh, to finish their goals, to complete something, to work for something, whatever it is. It's a sign that you are a collective group meeting together for a specific purpose. If we never met together, then the whole idea of Christianity would really mean nothing because it would be so scattered. It would be everybody for themselves, every man for themselves, everybody just doing in their heart as they see fit in their own eyes. But it is a sign not only to our covenant with him, but also to the world of who we are. If we didn't have a a day set aside where we meet in the house of God together to learn from him, then it would be a very scattered body. And you could hardly even call it a body, could you? Because we wouldn't even be meeting together to, to refresh one another, to encourage one another, to work together for a common goal. So it is a sign, and it tells the direction that we are going. We are saying something even by coming into the house of God. I am a Christian. I stand for God, and I believe in what he has for my life. I believe in him. I believe in Jesus Christ, and he is my Savior. He is the one that saved me. So I honor him with my life. So it is a sign. You know, even as a person goes to work, they show up at their work every day. Do they not? They show up. That is a sign that they're an employee. You don't get hired and then not show up. Part of the sign that you work there is that you actually show up. Your physical body goes there and says, I'm here to do my work today. It's a sign that I'm an employee. It's a, it, so it's an action. It's an action step. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a fish symbol. Okay, our covenant with God is not a fish symbol and it's not a bumper sticker that we put on our car. It's not a, you know, a a cross necklace that we put that we put on. Many people think that their their Christianity or their walk with God is their necklace. That means nothing. Your life given to God and what you do with your life in honoring him. That determines your relationship with with the Lord, not your bumper sticker, not your cross necklace. All right. The whole idea of the church, the church, the word for the church is ecclesia. That means the ones that are called out because I hear so much. This is the reason I'm going through this, because I, I believe that the church has been attacked in this realm. And even with this whole thing with coronavirus, it has been an attack on the church. You don't see anybody getting attacked other than the church. It has been a way to try to uh, shut the mouth of the church, shut the, the doors of the church so that they won't be congregating together, so that they won't be meeting, so that they won't be encouraging one another, winning souls, because the, we're, we're the last nation to stand before a one-world agenda. We are the last nation. If they can crumble America, then they can bring the whole world into an alignment with their own system. But America is based on the foundation of Christian values. So they try to remove the very, the very foundation of that, which is the congregating of the church. That's why you're going to see more and more of this take place over time. That's why as long as we are here, we have to stand for our beliefs. Otherwise, they will take these freedoms away. So we stand for our freedoms. We stand. Thank God we have freedoms because that's not the case in in many countries. 
So I thank God, but we need to make sure that, that we're not allowing these things to be taken away and then it becomes too late. So this is one of our freedoms, that we can congregate as a church, that we're not taken to the slaughterhouse for being a Christian. But I don't want it to get to that point. So one of the things that we do, we, we come together. We honor God. And I'm not letting that right go. That's why I will be here no matter what. Because I honor God before I honor man. I don't answer to man. I, I submit to authority. But as soon as that authority crosses over into an area where it cannot coexist with God's authority, then that's it. I honor God. I honor the authority of man until it crosses the line when it's not honoring God any longer. And there's examples in the Bible for that. So there's Daniel. There's the midwives in, in Exodus. They lied to Pharaoh about, okay, I'm not going to get into that because I don't have time. Look it up. Look it up. All right. And, you know, nobody, no one ever intends to quit going to church. It's not like they're like, oh, you know what, I'm going to quit going to church today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit showing up today. They don't. They just slip out because something happened or, you know, three weeks in a row they didn't go. So now all of a sudden, you know, this is getting kind of easy. I'm just going to stay in this mode. It's not like they choose to. So that's why you have to have a determination in your heart and realize that this is a covenant with God. This has nothing to do with me. You're not honoring me by showing up. I know many times, you know, people would say that, well, we got to honor, you know, the, the pastor, got to honor, you know, Brother John, or got to honor, you know, we want to support him. But it's not about supporting the pastor. It's about your covenant with God. So, and that's why it says it's a sign and it's a covenant. Well, covenant, what is a covenant? It's an agreement between two parties that you're both doing something. God created this day for us. In fact, Gracia and I was talking last night. She was like, oh, that's why we never have to do any chores on Sunday. <laughs> that's why you don't make me paint on <laughs> Sunday. Because it's a day that we, we set aside and we honor God. So it's a, it's a commandment. And I also got to thinking, you know, when it comes to a commandment, all the other nine commandments, think about it, all other nine commandments, they, no one would argue that these are good things, right? We all are like, no, nah, it's not a good idea to murder. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea not to lie. It's a good idea to honor your, your parents. I agree with that. Yes, let's not, let's not bow down to any other gods. Let's not have any graven images in our home, things like that. But when it comes to the Sabbath, it's up for compromise. You know? It's like something that can be uh, logically reasoned out. Well, I, don't, I just don't think that that's really that. I don't think God meant that. Why is it listed with all the other ten? And, and the other ten are, are like, yes, we agree with that. But then all of a sudden the Sabbath is not. Why? Why is that one up for, up for compromise? Why is that one allowed to just be played around with? You can think about it. In fact, God said, any of those that don't, what happened to them? Death. Yeah, he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, uh, what you call it? Um, huh? Intense? Yeah, that's pretty intense. He, he was, he meant what he said. He wasn't playing around. 
So we have to look at things the way God looks at them, not the way that we want to in our own flesh. We have to look at things the way God looks at them. Number four, number four, to return to him what is due. Return to him what is due. And you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 12. To return to him what is, what is due. And what I mean by that, when, when we come into the house of God, what do we return to him? We return to him, first of all, our tithe and offering because that's due to him. He says, you robbed me in the tithe and the offering, right? It's a way that we honor God and we love God by giving back to him what is due to him. We also give him a sacrifice of praise. We praise him because of who he is. We honor him because of who he is, because he is worthy of all of our praise. And it's also because it's the place where we can come and serve each other. By doing that, we are serving God. Because in Romans 12, in Romans 12, 1, it says that we are a living sacrifice, that we are to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. That is a reasonable act of worship. So God expects us to be of service to one another, which we'll get into a little bit more later. In Psalms 96, 8, he says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Psalms 138.2 says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your love and faithfulness, for you have exalted your word above all thy name. So we, we come into the house of God and we, we give him praise. We give him offering. We give him our service. These are things that we owe to him. We have to get over this mindset that I'm just my own person and I just get to do what I want. He bought us with a price. We owe our lives to him. This isn't up for negotiation. If we become a follower of Jesus Christ, our lives are his. It's not just whatever I get to do. You know, God has to somehow fit into my schedule. No, we fit our schedule into God's, and we submit to him. Deuteronomy 12, uh, look at verse 5. It says, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. There, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and your special gifts, what you have vowed to give, and your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to. You see that? We, we rejoice in everything that we have put our hand to because he has the one given us the ability to create these things, the ability to be blessed because the Lord your God has blessed you. Verse 8, you are not to do as we do here today, everyone as he sees fit. Since you have not yet reached the resting place, this was while they were still in the wilderness, okay? They're getting ready to go into the promised land, so that's why he's giving them these instructions. He said, things are about to change. Now that you're not going to be wandering anymore, you're going into a permanent place, and I'm going to give you certain places, and you're going to come to these places, and you're going to offer your offerings, and you're going to give me praise, and you're going to meet together and, and uh, honor me. 
Verse 9, since you have not yet reached the resting place in the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you, but you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. What happens? When we come together and honor him, then he gives us rest, and all of our enemies will not be attacking us. We will have rest. We will have peace in our lands. Hallelujah. Verse uh, 11, then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you will bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. And there rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons and your daughters, your men servants, your maidservants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Anywhere you please, offer them only at the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes and there observe everything I command you. Now, obviously, they were all in, in the land of Israel and they had certain towns, certain places where God set up, where they were to go and, and meet and present their offerings. We are global now, obviously, all around the world, so we establish churches. But the, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they knew all of these things in the New Testament. They were already practicing these things. So it wasn't like God had a place in the New Testament where he has to reestablish this. Many times people just like forget the Old Testament and say, you know, the Old Testament, that's not the one where that's not the covenant we're living in. That doesn't matter anymore. It does matter because there's a history there that we have to understand. Many things were already formed as a foundation. By the time you get into the New Testament, Testament, the Jewish people already had these things in place. They already knew them. They were already doing them. That's why people have a problem with tithing because they say, well, I don't see tithing in the New Testament. Even though there are scriptures in the New Testament they haven't seen, but it's not as focused on because they were already doing these things. They were part of their everyday. So it didn't need to be hit on time and time and time again. So return to him. These are the things that, that God tells us. This isn't about, you know, we just go and do our own thing uh, and, and just see how many times have we said, well, you know, the garden, that's my church. Uh, you know, well, the, the, the yard, that's my church. Well, the ocean, that's my church. These things are, are not the body, which we'll talk about that next. Number five, fellowship with believers. Number five. This is the reason why we meet. If, if Jesus looked at Peter after he rose again, and he said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. Did he not? Feed my sheep. How is Peter going to feed a sheep if his sheep never flock together? If they never see one another, was, was Peter supposed to go to each one of them personally one by one and go feed them? No, because they come together as a community. They come together as one unit. That's why the, the whole uh, word ecclesia means to be called out. People say, well, you know, this is the temple. Yes, we are the temple. But ecclesia means the called out ones to assemble together. That means the ones that have been called out, those that are in Christ, they're called out to assemble together. There is no organization. People 
people wouldn't apply these kind of rules to any other kind of organization. Guys, we're going to make we're going to make this organization. We're going to form this thing. We're going to form this business. But uh, we never need to talk. We never need to get together. We never need to have a meeting. Okay, you know, we're just we're all just going to kind of sit in our living rooms and just meditate, and we'll all just feel it. We'll feel what we're supposed to. No, we're supposed to get together, create goals, create. God already gave us his goal. You know, he said to go out and, and make disciples. This is the big goal. We do other things too, but that's the big goal. We do it in different ways, in different methods. But it says to assemble together, Hebrews in uh, chapter 10, to do not forsake the assembling together of the saints, especially as you see the day approaching, meaning the, the return of Jesus Christ. As you see that day approaching, you better be getting together more often because this world is going to be crazy. You got to find encouragement in the Lord or you're going to be lost. You got to get encouraged. You got to get strengthened in the word of God. Uh, Leviticus 23, 3. It says, the Lord said, nope, sorry, that's one. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. But it says a day of sacred assembly. Assembly is coming together. It's not scattered apart. A day of sacred, again, holy. It's his holy day, and it's an assembly that we come. We rejoice together in what he has done in our life and with the goodness of him, and we, we continue to uh, strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We come, we return things to him. Hallelujah. It says in, the, in um, Acts 2 where it says that the, the disciples devoted themselves devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the prayer and the breaking of bread. And it, it says that their numbers grew. They devoted themselves to these things. I want to read another scripture uh, concerning that in 1 Corinthians. I know it's a lot of flipping this morning, but... But it's okay. It's why you're here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 14. It says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
We need one another. We are here to sharpen one another. Every person has their place. What happens when someone decides, uh, I don't need church, and they just go off? Then the church body actually ends up feeling the consequence of that as well because we now are lacking a body part. That person was supposed to be there for a service. That's why I say we come in and we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, a service unto God. Well, when someone decides to remove themselves, then they're removing themselves from the body. If we're the body of Christ, uh, many parts, when one person leaves, then we're missing part of our body part. You can't just chop your finger off and, and then say, well, you know what, I, di I didn't need that. You're going to feel the effects of that. You're going to be like, man, I wish that finger was back because it's a lot easier when I had that finger. I can't grip things as well. Every person has their purpose. And when somebody is missing, then the church is actually lacking. People don't understand that when they leave, they're actually not, they're not providing the service that they were supposed to be providing, and the church feels it. Every person is there for a reason. And they don't even give themselves enough credit because they just think it's all about what they want. You know, they, they don't realize their purpose in the body of Christ, the collectiveness, what we do together. Your finger cannot do everything that needs to be done in a day. You are not just your finger. Your finger can't do everything. And that's the thing. One element, one body part can't do everything. You need the body functioning together. Okay, number six. Number six, coming into the house of God is, is a reason to follow the leading of the Lord. You, you sense the leading of the Lord. And I'm going to read uh, out of Acts 13. To follow his leading is another reason why we have and honor the Sabbath day. Acts 13, 2. While they were ministering unto the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they fasted and prayed, and they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Why is that important? Because they followed the leading of the Holy Spirit at that moment. It, it's called a corporate anointing. It doesn't just happen in your home. There can be a presence of God in your home. I'm not denying that. If, if you are pressing in and you're in, uh, you know, in the Holy Spirit and you're praying and you're worshiping, yes, you can bring the presence of God into a manifestation into your home. But there's a corporate anointing as well. Everybody wants to focus on, well, I can, I can you know, God can do this at home. God can heal me at home. God can <laughs> But they're taking away from the corporate anointing. It's not just, well, I can just do that. No, there, there's a, a specific purpose for individual presence, and there's a specific purpose for corporate anointing. And in this, you have two people that were being commissioned into ministry. The church laid their hands on them and commissioned them into ministry. What would have happened if we did not have Paul and Barnabas? Two-thirds of the New Testament would be gone. You know, they played a huge part. 
But they, it was because of their humbleness to listen to what that God told them to do, that they were found in the house of God. They were found devoting themselves to God on a regular uh, time of worshiping the Lord, a corporate anointing. Number seven, it's a time to learn of him and adjust your priorities. Number seven, it's a time to learn of him and adjust your priorities. And I already uh, mentioned this scripture, but in Acts 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. You know, there's a benefit to being part of the body of Christ because who's there for you when you need help? You know, it's the body. That's right. There is a coming together. When people are in need of something, the body of Christ is there to help. But besides that, it says they devoted themselves to what? The teaching, the teaching. When we hear the word of God... This is why many of you have seen breakthroughs in your own life. Why? Because you're consistent and you, you allow yourself to be taught. When you are taught, you make what? Changes in your life. When you make changes in your life according to how God says to do something, then what? You start seeing breakthrough in areas of your life. It's just like how, yes, there can be a healing at home. You know, just like we were praying for people uh, online. That can happen. But what happens if you're there consistently all the time? And then when that moment comes and you know, I need to take communion. I need to anoint myself with oil. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, you learned that last year. And now you know you've got the tool to apply it. You know, it's, it's, it's not about, well, you know, I just, I just wasn't feeling, uh, you know, I just wasn't feeling it last week. So I just, I don't know, I just, I just go when I feel like. <laughs> you're missing teaching. You're missing, you know, a first grader doesn't go to school just when he feels like it. The teacher knows, like, they're going to get behind in stuff. They're going to, like, they're not going to know how to do math. They're not going to know how to, to count their M&Ms. And that's important to a kid. Yeah. So it's learning the foundations, learning the basics, learning the things of God so that we adjust our priorities, adjust our thinking to the ways of God. And then that way, when something comes up, we know how to battle it. And then it's not something that throws us off course. We battle that thing and we get it done and over with. And it's not something that, that derails us. And then 10 years later, we're going, what the heck happened? Why am I here? You know, so we... Learn of him and adjust our priorities. Eight. Number eight, we are less likely, if we're in the house of God, if we're honoring him in the Sabbath, we're less likely to have marital and family issues. Marital and family issues. Less likely to have marital and family issues. You know, Joshua, in uh, chapter 24, he was telling the Israelites, he was saying, you know, guys, you need to decide what you're going to do. Because some of you have got some idols in the house, and you're, you're doing your own thing, and you've went away from the things of God, you need to get rid of the idols. You've brought some things from Egypt. You, you know, you, you've been stashing them away. You need to decide this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he was saying, I don't know what you're doing. I would suggest you get rid of them. But 
I can't make that choice for you. But as for me and my house, not just me, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why it's never been an option for our children. We, didn't ne we never looked at them and said, well, if you feel like going to church today. No, that's not an option. Why? Because we are there to steer them. We're there to grow them. We are their parents. They don't know at age four what's best for them. That's so stupid. I mean, and, and that's what the world would have you think today. We just need to let the kids decide for themselves that that's what they want to do. Well, Johnny, what do you want to do? Do you want to touch the oven? Go ahead. You'll learn. You know, it, it's like... Letting the child just determine everything based upon, oh, you want to bite him? Okay, go ahead. You don't want to apologize? All right, don't. I mean, it's like what kind, of, what kind of mentality is that, that nobody needs training? Just let everybody do whatever. Again, what the Word of God says, everyone was doing what, what, what they saw fit in their own eyes. That is nothing but a, a recipe for disaster. We have to follow the ways of God. Do you know, uh, I was, how many have heard the statistic that 50% of uh, even Christian marriages fell? Just like the world. Okay, well, I dug a little deeper because that is a common statistic. But, but, get this. We all know that there are people that call themselves Christians, but they, they take God casually, right? We know that. They don't look any different from the world. So it technically, those that actually get serious about God are 30% less likely to get divorced. So by that, the 50 and then the extra 30, you're down to 20%. Those that submit to God, and God is the center of their life, their marriage, that's very different than calling yourself a Christian. Very different. There's, there's all kinds of people can come to church when they feel like it or come to church on occasion or come to even come to church every single Sunday, but never change their heart. So I'm talking about a committed, devoted heart. I'm talking about the person that says God's the center of my life. My decisions revolve around him, not me deciding when he fits in and when he doesn't. Big difference. But when you do that, people that, that make God the center of their marriage, the center of their life, have less family issues, less marital issues, less issues with their children because they, they put God first. Gracia was telling me a, 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 a testimony uh, about someone this past week that was raised in a Christian home and their parents when when that kid hit a rough time their parents would be in their bedroom praying over him you know most people don't do that there have been times when we went into our kids bedrooms and prayed over them but most people don't put God first most people don't tell their kids no you're going to church no this is how the Bible says that we need to deal with this they don't take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and, and get aggressive in their faith. They're just like, well, you know, kids, you know, teenagers, it's, it's just going to happen. That's, they're all just going to do that. No, they're not. That, that statement frustrates me because that's not the story of every teenager. It's not that a teenager has to go through the ups and downs and the drinking and the, the partying and the smoking and the ruin my life and sow my seeds and then when I'm 30 or 40, I'll turn around. No, that's not, don't allow that to be a mindset that you adopt. That is not right. 
It is totally based. If you have that mentality, then you're probably going to end up with that. Because you won't, you'll just be like, well, I can't do anything. This is just how it is. It's just how all teenagers end up. But if you realize that it doesn't have to be that way, and you make sure that God is the center of your home, and you make sure that you're teaching your children, then your home is going to look very different. But it does mean that you will have to make choices that other people don't make. But if you're willing to do that, you're going to have a different outcome. And your home is going to be a home of peace. Amen. I mean, think about it. When you teach your children, nope, we're in church on Sundays. What does that show them? It says God's a priority. God's a priority. There's a lot of people, and I'm sure you know many, they're teaching their kids sports is a priority. They're teaching their kids sleep is a priority. They're teaching their kids, nope, my job is a priority. Nope, my lawn is a priority, whatever it is. Swimming is a priority. I go to the ocean. I go catch my waves on Sunday. You know, it tear a patch. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like, what are you going to prioritize? What are you showing your kids? Because that's what they're going to understand is a value, is whatever you show them. Number nine, the Sabbath gives you a rest, and it breaks it, it breaks the cycle of slavery. And I'm going to read out of Hebrews 4. If you think about it, God, we already read scriptures that says God said that, that uh, the Sabbath is a day of rest. But the reason I said that it breaks the cycle of slavery is because when they came out of Egypt, they were slaves, right? They worked seven days a week. They were oppressed. They had a slave driver. No, you're going to work. You're going to do this they, for year, their whole life because they had been in bondage for many years, hundreds of years. So if, if you think about it, their generation and their, their parents and their grandparents, their great-grandparents, it's always been this way. We've always worked every day. This is just how it is. So think about it. That, that mindset would have to be broken, to go into a, a, we relax, we rest, we honor God. We call this day holy and sacred, and we don't do work on this day. And to break the mindset that, yeah, but if I don't work, I'm not, I'm not going to get the money, or I'm not going to get this built, or I'm not going to get this home built. I'm not going to get my, my corn planted. I'm not going to get the harvest. I'm not going to, you know, that, that driven mentality that if I don't do this, this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to get my debt paid off. I'm not going to, the bills are going to come. Uh, I'm going to be swimming in this stuff. I'm not going to get the paperwork done. But the thing is, God said, you know what? That's the 10th one. Hold on. I'll get to that. Turn to Hebrews chapter four. Let me, let me read the rest part first. Sorry. Hebrews four. Verse, just start at the beginning. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. So this is a New Testament thing, right? Hebrews is in the New Testament, right? Yes. Okay, so it still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found fallen short of it. 
For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, I use this scripture a lot because people can hear a message but not combine it with faith and it does them no good. Okay, so going on, verse 3. Now, we who have been, sorry, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. If you don't believe the word of God, if you don't apply faith to it, you will not rest in the promise of it. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their unbelief. Therefore, God set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David As was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about it later on another day. Verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of unbelief. Now, I know there's a lot there, and this scripture actually goes uh, much, much deeper than what I'm going to hit on today. But there still remains a Sabbath rest. And what he's saying here is if you will believe, if you will believe in the word of God and you devote that, if you devote that day, then he's going to honor you and you will find rest and refreshment and God will will supply those things to you. He will make sure that you're taken care of. And of course, that has to do with number 10, which means uh, there's going to be greater production in six days than what there would be in seven Greater production in six days than what there would be in seven. That is number 10. But because many don't apply their faith to the scripture, apply their faith to the Sabbath and what it really means. That's why I'm touching on this. I know you guys are here. But what, the reason why I'm touching on it is so you understand it. So you understand the Sabbath, what it's for, and can connect your faith to it. But the thing is, if many people don't believe that the Sabbath is there for any particular reason, they don't understand the covenant. And as a result, they think, well, if I go, if I don't go to work this day, then I will, I I won't be able to make it. I I won't be able to, you know, my, my bills will, will take over and I just, I won't be, all kinds of things. Well, you know, my kids, my kids will. They'll be left out because, you know, they didn't get to play sports. Whatever it is. Well, you know, if I don't get the, the weed eating done today, I won't have any other day to do it. You know, all of these things, they're not applying faith. Because there is a faith in doing the word of God and believing that his word remains true when you honor his word. So there is a faith to actually applying to this. Once it gets into your routine, in your, in your system, it's like there's no question about it. You know where you're going to be. You don't question it. We, this has been part of our routine for 18, 20 years consistently. 
There was a time when we were like back and forth and back and forth and, you know, it, it wasn't something that we were like on top of because we didn't understand this. And God had to convict our heart about it because we, we didn't understand all this, but we knew we should be in the house of God and it started to convict us. And so we, and then we also began to have kids and then it became important to us because we wanted to show them the right way. So understanding that there is a faith to it. The last one, greater production of work in six days than there is in seven. Good demonstration of this, look at Chick-fil-A. They don't open on Sunday. <laughs> Even though it seems like on Sunday, that's when everybody gets their greatest craving for Chick-fil-A. But, <laughs> but they've, they've, kept that, they've kept that solid, you know? Their lines are constant. Brad was up there the other day and drove by. He said there was a line, all, two lines, all, all the way back out of the parking lot and into the, uh, where the, the main road there. Two lines. Yeah. I mean, it's just like even long lines don't scare people away. They're like, no, I'm getting my Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm getting my chicken tenders. I'm getting my sauce. That's right. That stuff is some good stuff. Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> All right, last verse I'm going to give you is in Leviticus, chapter 25. Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 3. Actually, verse 2. It says, speak to the to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather your crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have, have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you and yourself. Now skip over to... Verse 20, you may ask, well, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? He says, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. Three years. So he's saying the land even needs a rest. In fact, uh, uh, George uh, Washington Carver, right? Yeah, he was the peanut guy, yeah? So he planted peanuts and, and did all kinds of things with, with peanuts. But he, he uh, also became an advocate of letting the land rest. He found out if you let the land rest, it's actually beneficial because it, it allows time to put the nutrients back into the soils again. Well, this he was, yeah, on top of things, but that was a, a few thousand years late 
after God had already said it, <laughs> you know, God, there's a reason why God says the things that he says. There's a reason to let the land rest, to even let the, the trees rest, the vineyards rest. On that seventh year, they are to have a Sabbath, he said, but don't worry about it because on that Sabbath year, they're going to produce. I will On the sixth year, I will give you three years worth. You will not grow hungry, so don't worry about that sixth day or that seventh day when you're resting and your lands are resting because you will have enough. In fact, you will have plenty. Isn't that amazing? So again, when you take this scripture and apply it in your life and you honor God, then he blesses you and you reap the benefit of having the rest and not working your fingers to the bone and, and ending up still like just trying to make it. Because God has a plan. Even in the manna situation, when he said, I'm going to give you manna, when they were in the wilderness, and he said, every day, go out and get your supply. But on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, pick up a little bit of extra because you're going to need it for the Sabbath, which was allowed. But on any other day, do not pick up more than what you're going to need. There were some that did it, and it backfired on them. Anytime we try to operate out of the ways of God, it backfires. People and people will stay in that cycle thinking that I just got to, if I can just do this, if I just get that raise, if I just get the position, if I just get this, if I just get that, and just trying to, to, to get ahead of the system. But the thing is, God says, if you will operate by my principle of firsts, by my principle of the Sabbath, then you will see the blessing on your life and you will see yourself advancing. Things don't happen automatically overnight. Sometimes there can be a boom, you know, like we prayed for this and this happened. Just like what Pastor Brad was saying, praying for the guy that needed a home and boom, he got a home. But there are times that you, it's about the devotion. You keep going, you keep doing. And it's the, you look back and you're like, man, that was three years ago. My life is so much better than what it was three years ago, you know? So it's about the, the, the consistency. You stay consistent with the Lord, and he will honor you. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, just to finish up, in the book of Amos, it actually talks about the, the people would... They, they begin to grumble and complain because, oh, well, when can we go back to work? When can we go back to selling things? You know, when is the Sabbath going to be over? It was like a, they were looking at it as a, a frustration. And God actually said, tell them that there's going to be a time that because they didn't honor my Sabbath day, that as a result, they're going to be looking to and fro for the word of the Lord, and they're not going to find it. Yeah, that's heavy. Because it's like, if we don't honor him, then, you know, and I look at, I look at, that's a principle as well with many things in our life. If we don't honor him with our praise, if we don't honor him with our finances, if we don't honor him in our marriage, things always backfire. It, you know, I, I see people sometimes where they, they can sit there and because they won't honor the word of God, and it's just like, eh, whatever, you know. And, you know, they, I don't even know why they're, they're coming sometimes. They're not even engaged, you know. I'm not talking about any of you. I'm just saying, just being in ministry, you see it. You know, we, we were in conference one time, and somebody whipped out uh, their big old iPad and was sitting there playing games the whole time. And I'm just like... I mean, didn't even try to hide it. It was like a big old iPad 
sitting there playing games, the whole service, the Holy Spirit's moving all over the place. And I'm like, what the heck are you doing? You know? And I'm thinking, you, you, you have, like, no understanding of the presence of God at all. But if we honor him, that's why some people get touched and some people don't. Because if you don't honor his presence, and if you treat it as something light, if you treat him as, as something that's just like, eh, whatever, casual, no big deal, what would you do if the president walked into the room? What would you do if somebody of, of influence that you respected walked into the room? Would you give them more respect than you would give God? You know? So we have, to, we have to honor the Lord. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is our Savior. He is the one that died on the cross for us and bought us back from the clutches of hell so that we could have a redeemed life. We owe him everything. One day is not too much to give up. That is actually a privilege. He put it in our life for man, Jesus said. I have given you the Sabbath. It's for you to actually benefit from it. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you put these things in place so that, that we aren't running to and fro, trying to figure out our own way. But, Lord, you have put a, a, a system in place, a, a Sabbath day, a day of rest that we attach our faith to. Every person here today attaches their faith to that. So I thank you that even as we have a greater understanding, that we can begin to prophesy those things, even when we come in on our Sundays, we say thank you God that when I set your day aside you bless me more on the sixth than and it makes it like working on the seventh even though I'm honoring you on the seventh so we thank you Lord for the blessing that covers our life we thank you Father for the prosperity that chases us down we thank you that we ride on the heights of the land that we are a conqueror that Lord you give us victory we thank you Father that our families are saved that you protect our families that our children are saved. We speak over every child and we call back any children that are lost right now. We call them back into your kingdom, back into your presence, back into the word, back into, into your embrace. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and put them in the path of someone that's on fire for you, that will lead them to the Lord. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our life in every area for your protection and we thank you for all the joy that you bring into our life that the joy of the lord is our strength and it is our inheritance in jesus mighty name we pray amen